strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Robin. And I'm Jen. And on tonight's Notorious Knowledge, I'm going to talk to you about the self-mummification practices of the Soku Shimbutsu. The self-mummification was a process practiced by Japanese Buddhists between the 11th and 19th century. The act of self-mummification required that the monk remove all fat from their body. Preparation usually began over 3,000 days in advance of the death by sticking to a strict diet of pine needles, resins, and seeds. I mean... 3,000 days? I can't I can't go on a 2,000 calorie diet. I would never be able to mummify hold myself. On, hold on, hold on. 8.2 8. years of... 8.2 years of pine needles, resins, and seeds. <laughs> no. <laughs> when ready, the prospective mummy would enter a stone room, meditate, and slowly reduce, then stop all liquid intake, thus dehydrating the body and shrinking all the organs. The monks would die in a state of meditation, and their body would be naturally preserved as a mummy with skin and teeth intact without decay. And that is the self-mummification practice of the Soku Shimbutsu, the world's worst diet. Yes. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash narratives and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com slash narratives to get started today. It's a real drippy bottle. It's annoying. That's what they call me in high school. No one wants to be called drippy bottle. I mean, it's I guess it's better than drippy bottom, but... Exactly. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, Lord. And today we're going to talk about the culture of foot binding. So foot binding was the custom of applying tight binding to the feet of young girls to modify the shape and size of their feet. This was practiced in China from the Tang Dynasty until the early 20th century. This was considered a status symbol as well as a mark of beauty. It was a painful process and limited the mobility of women, resulting in lifelong disabilities for some. After the binding, the feet were then called lotus feet. You see that a lot. You see like advertisements for like lotus spa and lotus this and lotus that. Apparently it was I know, well but now I'm like, I think of it a whole different way. Yeah. I mean, I know what a lotus is. We all mm-hmm. know what a lotus is, but... A lot of those types of establishments are owned by people of Asian descent. So now I'm just like, um, get your hands off my feet. (laughs) The practice originated with upper class court dancers during the five dynasties and 10 kingdoms period in the 10th century China. Then became popular during the Tang Dynasty, which eventually spread to all social classes by the Qing Dynasty. There's a lot of dynasties. There's a lot. I don't know when they are. No, I don't either. know where they are. I mean, I guess I do know where they're in China. <laughs> yes, but okay. And so, so basically, it was only for the fancy dancers. Then it was upper class, and then it was everybody. Exactly. So all we need to know is by that time, everyone's doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, like, even like poor folk are doing this hard, horrible thing. I mean, it depends if they can afford it because they asked that you have a professional lotus foot 
person to come and do the, everything for you. So, and what are they called? I'll get into it. Okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> I'll get into it. But, you know, because they recommend not your family members doing the procedure for you because they may take sympathy on you. Oh, this hurts. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Well, stop. No, it's supposed to hurt. So we're, we're like, we'll continue to do what it. So, of, what kind of person? can hurt feet for a living Thing. okay go ahead mm-hmm. I'm, I'm we're here i'm in it i'm gonna bear witness to this yeah. horror show so it was practiced in different forms and the more severe binding dictator was developed in the 16th century it was estimated that by the 19th century 40 to 50 percent of all chinese women may have had bound feet and up to about 100 percent among the upper class women had bound feet so all the rich ladies. All of them. And at and least then, half of the unrich mm-hmm. ladies. I said unrich. Unrich. That works for me, though. You get what I'm saying here, people. <laughs> I'll, I'll continue. There have been many attempts to end the practice during the Qing Dynasty. Manchu Zhangqi Emperor tried to ban foot binding in the year 1664, but had failed. Later in the 19th century, Chinese reformers challenged the practice, but it was not until early 20th century that foot binding actually became or actually began to die off as a result of so many anti-foot binding campaigns. There are only a few Chinese women still alive today that have bound feet. That's so crazy that it went on until the 20th century. Yeah, it's crazy that people now. I mean, I don't. 100% 100% know what it is. I kind of know what it is. I know that like the feet get made small, but I don't mm. really know why or how. So, and that's exactly what I'm going to start right now. I'm, I'm going to talk to you about the process. This feels so if you're like a little, going to be, yeah, if you are sensitive, a little squeamish, I just want to give you a little heads up. Mm. Just keep that in mind that this kind of thing happens to young children. How so, young? All right. Okay. So. All right. Mm-hmm. The process was started before the arch of the foot had the chance to fully develop, which means that the girls were between the ages of four to nine years old. Nope. Binding usually started during the winter months because they thought that the feet were more likely to be numb, so they believed that the pain would not be that extreme. Because people just have numb feet in the winter? Yeah, apparently they're walking around with shoes. Mm-hmm. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Try like, to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. <laughs> Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. So first, each foot would be soaked in warm mixture of herbs and animal blood. Oh, this was intended to soften the foot to aid the binding process. Then the toenails were cut back as far as possible to prevent ingrowth and infections since the toes were supposed to be placed tightly into the soles of the feet. The toes on each foot were curled under and then pressed downwards and squeezed into the sole of the foot until the toes are broken. Nope. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
So the broken toes were held tightly against the sole of the foot, while the foot was then drawn down straight with the leg and the arch of the foot was forcibly broken. The bandages were then soaked in animal blood and the herb mixture were repeatedly wound in a figure eight movement starting at the inside of the foot at the instep and then carried over the toes and under the foot and around the heel. At each pass around the foot, the binding cloth was tightened, pulling the ball of the foot and the heel together, causing the broken foot to fold in an arch and pressing the toes underneath the sole. The binding was pulled so tightly that a girl could not move her toes at all, and the ends of the binding cloth were then sewn so the girl could not loosen them. So your toes are broken, so they're against the ball of your foot. Mm -hmm. And then the arch of your foot is folded, is broken, Mm -hmm. so it can be like sandwiched like a taco Mm -hmm. against your heel. So your foot is a third of the... It's normal length. Uh, yeah. Probably, I'm gonna say and fold it up like a Swiss roll. Into a lotus flower shape. Yeah. Okay. And you can't move your toes at all? No. Oh my God. What if you get an itch? Robin, what if they get an itch? Oh my God. Can you imagine the fucking torture? And did you say it was soaked in bl- blood and herbs? Yeah. So the feet required a great deal of attention and care and they would be unbound regularly to manage. Each time the feet were unbound, they were washed and carefully checked for injury and the nails were carefully trimmed. I'm sorry, trimmed. for injury? Mm-hmm. Besides the, like, 18 Besides broken, the broken bones? bones? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, sure. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Just want to make sure they have, sure. A, you know, a hangnail. God right. Bet there's a hangnail. Right on. So when unbound, the broken foot were also needed to soften them, and the soles of the girl's feet were often beaten to make the joints and bones more flexible. Mm. The feet were also soaked in a mix of different things that caused the necrotic flesh, which is dead cells and tissue, to fall off. Because their feet are... Just, just necrotic because yeah. th- how could there be blood flow yeah, when just you're tucking your toes a bag of skin. into your heel mm-hmm. and pulling them so tight you can't move them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. This had to be the most painful process. I can't even fucking imagine. I have stubbed my toes and I have wished for death. I broke my I, pinky toe and I cried for five days. I've broken a lot of my toes. I did point ballet. Never. And I stopped. I'm like, I'm not doing this shit. I mean, I'm imagining the younger that you get them, the easier it is because I can't see a nine-year-old sitting still for this and being like, oh, that's cool. I was just going to say that I find that the the age gap between four and nine is a big difference. Yeah. Because a nine-year-old can punch you. By the time you're nine, you understand what a cultural norm is. So you may want it. They'll kind of train you in a thought that like, oh, this is our our culture. If your mother has it and your Your sister's. Exactly. But if my sister, if I'm nine years old and my sister's younger than me and she has it or, or vice versa and I was there to witness, I'm not, I'm not do that to me. Well, then that's my own personal like opinion. But get the fuck away from my feet. Thank goodness. Sometimes I laugh too hard at getting a pedicure. How the hell am I going to? They're oh, sensitive. There, there's no laughing during. <laughs> there would be no laughing during your foot breaking binding. I'm not saying I'm laughing. I'm saying that my feet are too sensitive. Yeah. That I, since I laugh at a pedicure, of course I'm going to fucking blow my eyes out if you're going to break all my bones. It is such a hard, hard thing to listen to because you're talking about breaking the bones in the feet, which mm-hmm. makes me cringe and makes my entire pelvic floor tighten. But of children. In horror, right. And then I'm thinking about like it's. Little babies. A sweet little girl mm-hmm. who's like, you know, running and playing 
and she'll never run and never play again. Mm -hmm. It feels like my heart is in my throat. So right after this procedure, the broken toes were then folded back under the feet and then rebounded. The bindings were pulled even tighter each time the feet were rebound and cleaned. This unbinding and rebinding ritual was repeated as often as possible. So for the rich, it was at least once a day, and for the poor, it was two to three times a week. It was generally an older female member of the girl's family or a professional foot binder who carried out the initial breaking and ongoing binding of the feet. Ugh, worst job ever. So it was considered preferable to have someone other than the mother to do it because she might be sympathetic to her daughter's pain and not willing to tighten the bindings. Yeah. So that's why they called for outside sources. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely, you're, you definitely have to be like, hey, neighbor, how about I do your <laughs> kid's feet and you do mine because no fucking way I'm breaking my daughter's toes. No, especially since they have their own personal experiences from the whole situation. Right. And they're just like, I can't, I can't do this to my own. Like. But I mean, you know, culture is very, very intense and you know a lot of people undergo incredibly painful processes for their culture i mean you and i are both pretty heavily tattooed and there are plenty of people who would think that that is just absurd and insane that we pay someone to jam needles filled with ink into our skin so Mm -hmm. i mean i mean and some it's hard not to culturally appropriate and oh absolutely yeah it is it is not easy to hear So for most of this procedure, the foot becomes numb to the pain, so they say. Uh, But once the toes and the feet are broken, attempting to reverse the process by unbinding and and to reverse the shape of the foot can be even more painful than the process to begin with. Yeah, I can imagine because I'm sure there's incredible nerve damage. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning of the binding process, many bones would remain broken. But as the girl grew older, the bones would begin to heal. So even after the bones had healed, they were prone to re-breaking repeatedly, especially if the girl was in her teenage years and her feet were still soft. So the bones were deliberately broken again in order to control the size of the feet. Older women were more likely to break hips and other bones in fall since they were unable to balance securely on their feet and were less able to rise to their feet from a laying or sitting position. Yeah. Your entire life of breaking something. Great. Because there's nothing like a broken hip <sighs> to really give you an excellent quality of life moving forward. Broken hip. I can't walk But I mean, feet. what was the Great, life expectancy in this culture at this time, you know? That's true. So I'm going to get into a little bit more of the origin of lotus feet. So there are a number of different stories about the origin of foot binding before its establishment during the Song Dynasty. One of these stories involved the consort of southern King Emperor Zhao Baozhan. Her name was Pan Yuna, and she was known to have delicate feet and danced barefoot on a floor that was decorated with a lotus flower design. The emperor was very impressed and made comments on how the lotus flowers spring from her every step, which was a Buddhist reference. It may have been the start to the whole lotus feet thing, but there is no evidence that consort Pan had ever bounded her feet. She just had weirdly small feet. She had small feet. She danced pretty. She was beautiful. She danced on this fucking floor that was beautiful. They're like, well, let's start breaking some toes. Oh, everyone should have really tiny feet like her. So the practice is likely to have originated in the time of the 10th century with Liu of the Southern Tang, Just before the Song Dynasty, Liu created a six-foot-tall golden lotus decorated with precious stones and pearls and asked his concubine, Yan Yang, to bind her feet with white silk into the shape of a crescent moon and perform a ballet-like dance on the points of her feet on the lotus. 
Yao Ning's dance was said to be so graceful that others wanted to be her, and the binding of feet was then replicated by other upper-class women, and then the tradition began. All right. Well, all it takes is one woman to become an ideal, mm-hmm. and then everyone needs to get a Brazilian butt lift. <laughs> and they're called the Kardashians. The Kardashians I mean, now, yeah. If you went back to 1975 and, like, you saw somebody with an ass like a Kardashian, yeah. they would have been shunned because flat was where it was at. Well, that's true. Right? It's fucking high-waisted pants and stuff. High-waisted oh, pants. Wow. Flat oh, everywhere. dream. If I can, Slight camel toe. If I can ever – well, I don't want a camel toe. But I was going to say, if I can like, ever fit into a high-waisted pant like that, ugh, then I did something right. So some of the earliest references to binding appear around the 1100s when a couple of poems seem to refer to the practice. In the 13th century, scholar Shay Waushi wrote the first known criticism of the practice. It is said that little girls not yet four or five years old who have done nothing wrong nevertheless are made to suffer pain to bind their small feet. I do not know what use this is for. The earliest archaeological evidence for foot binding dates back to the tombs of Yang Sheng, who died in 1243 at the age of 17, and Madame Zhu, who died in 1274. Each had their feet bound with six-foot-long gauze strips. Xiao's skeleton was well-preserved and showed that her feet fit the narrow, pointed slippers that were buried with her. The style of the binding found in the Song Dynasty tombs was that the big toe was bent upwards and appear to be different from later errors of foot binding, especially since the feet were even smaller or referred to as a three-inch golden lotus, which may have been developed in the 16th century. What? They folded their feet. Three? So it was three inches. My heel is three inches. Just my heel. Not even the whole thing. Kind of like it's just a chunk of it. So at the end of the Song Dynasty, men would drink from a special shoe whose heel contained a small cup. During the Yang Dynasty, some would drink directly from a shoe itself. So these men drank from the shoes. That the necrotic feet were in? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That's unsanitary (laughs) and um, super gross. Yeah. The practice was called Toast to the Golden Lotus. A lot of fucking weird foot fetishists. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Sorry, not to kink shame. Don't kink shame. Mm -mm. Not like that. Just... Not fair, woman's pain, dudes drinking out of shoes. Yeah, whatever. so you know, yeah, blah, they, blah, blah, blah. the whole drinking out of the small cups and stuff lasted until the King Dynasty. The first European to mention foot binding was the Italian missionary Audric of Pordinon in the fourth century. There were no other foreign visitors to Yan China that mentioned the practice, including Ibn Butata and Marco Polo, who had noticed a dainty walk of Chinese women who seemed to take small steps. But since there was no mention of foot binding, it seems that it was not as widespread or extreme at that point in time. No, I'm just sure Marco that, Polo like, was just like, oh, well, look how dainty they walk. Oh, well. Yeah, cute. but their feet were probably covered. So yep, he was, exactly. they were no privy idea. to see it. Yeah, no idea. I'm sure that the women only showed their sweet golden lotus to their husbands. <laughs> barf. Yeah, total so, barf. Besides the obvious to talk about some health issues that occurred to the lotus binding. So the most common problem with bound feet was infection. Despite the amount of care taken with the toenails, they would often ingrown and get infected, causing injuries to the toes. Sometimes for this reason, the toenails would be peeled back and removed completely. 
The tightness yeah. of the binding meant that circulation in the feet was faulty and the circulation of the toes was basically cut off. So any injuries to the toes were unlikely to heal and got worse that led to infected toes and even rotting flesh. In the infection in the feet and toes entered the bones, it could cause them to soften and eventually fall off. Sometimes with bound feet, shards of glass or pieces of broken tiles became inserted within the binding. Disease inevitably followed infection, so meaning that death from septic shock could also occur. It is thought that about 10% of girls may have died due to gangrene or other infections caused by the binding. Fantastic. I mean, women are so highly prized, so I'm sure that it was a real loss for them. Unfortunately, this whole foot binding tradition started because of beauty, right? Let's just say that. So they thought that there was an erotic effect of bound feet, which was called the lotus gait, which was a tiny steps and swaying walk of a woman whose feet were bound. Women with uh, such deformed feet avoided placing weight on the front of the foot and tended to walk predominantly on their heels. As a result, women who had undergone foot binding would walk in a cautious and unsteady manner. Some men found the smell of the bound feet attractive, Hmm. and some also apparently believed that the bound feet would cause layers of folds to develop in the vagina and that the thighs would become heavier and the vagina tighter. Oh, I didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that heavy thighs meant you had a tight vagina. Mm-hmm. I'm in. I mean, bound feet and tight but thighs. Well, can we just heavy thighs? Just diddly do, diddly do. Rewind. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You said someone was attracted to the smell of the rotting feet. Yes. So let me, let oh, me go okay. back. So some men found the smell of the bound feet attractive. So incredibly weird and gross. And some thought that it just meant that they had a tight vagina. Sigmund Freud considered the foot binding to be a perversion that corresponds to foot fetishism. I mean, yes, I, I, of course. I mean, fucking Captain Obvious there, Freud. <laughs> he had to say it. He, unless no one really knew, he had to say it. Jesus. Yeah. So in 1912, the New Republic of China government banded foot binding. Local warlords such as Yang Zhang and the Sanqing engaged in their own sustained campaign against foot binding with feet inspectors and fined for those who had continued to practice. Still a job I don't want. I don't want to be a foot inspector. No, thank you. No, thanks. The campaign against foot binding was very successful in some regions. A survey showed that there were about 2.3% of girls before 1910 that had unbound feet, and about 95% of those born after 1910 had did not have bind feet at all. So okay, pra- so, yeah, so that worked very quickly. Like, mm-hmm. So the practice did linger in some areas, though. Apparently, in 1928, a census in rural areas found that about 18% of women still had the bound, their feet bound. So, right. like I said before, so if some is still alive today, that means that they yeah. were born in a rural area around 1930s. And yeah. had to, they were where the culture just persisted mm-hmm. regardless. So in most parts of China, the practice practically disappeared by 1949. And by the 21st century, only a few elderly women in China still had their feet bound. In 1999, the last shoe factory making lotus shoes called the Xinquang Shoe Factory in Harbin closed its doors. Burn it to the ground. I mean... It's so hard as an outsider to look at some practices and understand them. And this is definitely mm-hmm. one that I find incredibly hard to stomach. I, you know, I try to be open-minded about culture and mm-hmm. about 
places I've never been and people that I don't interact with and I don't understand, and especially times in history when morality was different, it's it's not fair to judge through the lens of the modern world to look back at 12th century China and judge. But it seems tantamount to torture. Mm-hmm. It's how I feel similarly about female circumcision. Yes. Tough topic. Thank you for reading about it and I think bringing it to us, I think us, it's Robin. important to understand it because, I mean, I... You know, I you, love I love learning new things, of course, right. you know, and I love learning about different cultures, different countries and what they do and what they didn't do. But there are some situations like this where, just like you said, it's difficult to hear, but it has to be said. And I also can't really say that it was bad because it's not my generation. It's, it's not, not yeah, my it's, culture. It's not it's fair. It's not my country. It's not, you know. Right. It's not, it's but not fair to But we're allowed judge. to have an opinion to say these poor children right. because you know you're walking around and you, you you see these little four-year-olds and you're thinking wow someone in the 12th 16th century broke this little person's foot you know yeah. why to fit in smaller shoes and you're allowed to talk about it but just take into consideration that it's just, someone yeah. else, it's someone's belief you know? right and it's while it's difficult we just have mm-hmm. to be thoughtful and respectful yeah but you know, you're everyone's entitled to an opinion. Absolutely. Opinions are like assholes. Everyone has them, and sometimes they stink. Sometimes they stink. So that was the story of the culture of foot binding. Just another notorious narrative. If you enjoy our episodes, you can also go to patreon.com slash notorious narratives, where you can access exclusive content. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to be notified when a new episode is available. Keep it weird and never stop exploring.